Welcome back to the United States, Jimmy. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I apologize to everybody for having held the show up for, it's been now two weeks we've we've been off. Yeah, something like that. I met I met up with a fan. I can't remember. I met so many people, but I can't remember exactly who or where I was when they said, this is the most time you guys have taken off in seven or eight. How many times? How many years are we doing this? I, can't, like I know 35 years. This is the most Close time we've taken off in 35 years. Yeah. So it's incredible that we've only ever taken off two weeks is the most we've ever taken <laughs> off. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is. I mean, if that's really true, we, I never really checked it, but yeah, no, it's been crazy. So it's been a whirlwind and uh, I figured I'd tell all you guys the fun the fun dynamics on the air so i said let's just get started yeah bob are you are you there bob's not moving unless he's being really still oh there he is i thought i, I thought you were just so mesmerized by my story i'm like wow he's really engaged <laughs> it so it started out so i get to derek so derek said let's travel into to to maker central with derek and derek books the tickets and as he usually does, Derek likes doing that. So, and I hate doing it. So, Derek always handles all the travel and the hotel arrangements and stuff. And there's always like somebody in the relationship that's better at that, that likes doing it, that finds enjoyment in it. And you know, me and Derek have been going out now for about six years, and <laughs> and he likes doing that. So, I let him handle it, of course, because I don't want to. And so, we get, I get to his house. My, Mike drive, drops me off in Boston. So, Mike the fireman drives me all the way to Boston. Because I'm not going to be landing back in Boston after this whole entire whirlwind of a trip comes back. I come back to JFK and my friend Rachel picked me up. So I didn't have to leave a car anyway. So anyway, I'm at Derek's house. I get there really early. We have like eight hours before we have to get to the airport, which is then two hours after that. So we had like the entire day to get to the airport. And we'd kill the morning having breakfast and dilly-dallying around. And now we have like five hours to get to the airport. And... I walk past the bulletin board in his office and I notice the confirmations of our flights that we're getting on on that day. Obviously, they're just digital. He emailed them to me. I didn't open them. I was like, whatever. And I look at the I look at the board and and I pick up. I see it says Derek from Malden. Well, sorry, sorry it says Derek Forrester. It's just his name. And then I'm like, wait, where's mine? But I'm traveling on a different ticket because he's coming back to America. I'm not. So I lift up the page and I'm like, oh, Jimmy DeResta, flight to UK. And it's his passenger name, Jimmy DeResta. I'm like, oh, that's a problem. Because my real name is James DeResta. And this has been a problem my whole life since I've been traveling to Hong Kong in the 90s. My first trip to Hong Kong was in 91. 90, yeah, 91 was the first time I went to Hong Kong. And however many years ago was that? Is that 30 years ago? Is that 32 years ago? Or is that this is not a years? math podcast. <laughs> so that, that many years ago, I went to Hong Kong for the first time in 91. And my... My host, the, my friend Andy, who's become a he's a close mentor of mine, he's the one who sent me to Hong Kong for his, his company. And he said, whenever you travel, make absolutely sure that all your documents match your passport because it could be a big problem. And this was before 9-11, of course. Anyway, so long story short, I said to Derek, I go, I have to travel under my exact name on the passport. And Derek goes, it's not a big deal. I mean, I've done, I go, yeah, but this is international. And then we realized the gravity of the situation. Mm-hmm. We have four or five hours to change the name of my ticket. And <clears throat> so I Google quickly, I, Derek looks at the reservation and he calls British Airways and they, and it just goes directly to nothing. There's, nobody picks up. So he tries like five times. And so I quickly Google British Airways and I'm like, I see it, this number and it was like a British Airways, looks like the website. So I click and I call and I immediately get somebody. And he's like, what's the problem? And I said, my my name is misspelled on my ticket. He goes, oh, hang on just a minute. And then he comes back. Now this is, I'm making it sound like it was like five minutes. This is like a 35 minute phone call. Mm-hmm. And he comes back and he says, uh, sorry, I'm sorry, sir, but you need 48 hours to change your name on your ticket. And now Derek's panicking. He's he's really mad. And he, he gave up on trying to call his number because I was getting through. Now the guy tells me I have to, I have to buy a new ticket, the only way to change my name. And the ticket on the flight that I'm already booked on, I know there's a seat on it because I already own the ticket, which was $700. He's telling me to replace that ticket is now 3000 oh. And I'm like, okay, is that the only way? He's like, I'm sorry, so that's the only way. He goes, I can put you on a 10 o'clock flight, which is like a few hours later, but that ticket will be 1500 That's the only way I could save you money. Oh, and I'm like, all right, let me think this through. Let me think this through. And I get off the phone and we try the other British Airways number, but nobody answers. I go back and I go back and forth. And then now this is over the course. Now it's like the hours are ticking away. We're trying to figure out, like, let's just go to the British Airways counter at the airport. We just, we get in Derek's truck. We get all of our stuff. We thought we were going to have like an easy lunch. Now we get to the airport like three hours early. 
like four hours early because then I go to the British Airways counter and there is no British Airways counter. Like, you know how the signs are all digital now? There's no like, there's hardly any like real hard plastic signs anymore, especially for the big international terminals. You're intended to like move around. So like the screens light up. Mm-hmm. It's like go to kiosk 55 for and I can't find British Airways. I'm walking around like a madman. All my bags are in Derek's car. We're trying to figure out if I can get the ticket changer if we were even going to be leaving that day. I'm driving, running all around. And I finally meet somebody that's like just like wearing a yellow vest. I'm like, where's British Airways? They're like, oh, they don't open up until three hours before the flight. Oh. I'm like, where would they be? They go, oh, they would be at Kiosk 59. And I look at Kiosk and it's just an empty computer screen and an empty desk with no branding whatsoever. And... Like, okay. And so I go back in the car and now we're also trying to find a parking spot because I'm like, let's just be invested. Hopefully we're going to make it, we're going to make this flight and we can't find a parking spot. And it's like, it was like a movie. It's like one minor tragedy after another. Nothing is life threatening, but it was just panicky. We, we went over, we drove all around the airport. Derek's like, this is never like this. There's always a parking spot. We find really, literally the last parking spot on the top deck of the last like thing we tried. And we finally parked the car, and it looks like it could be an illegal spot. Who knows? It's near a pole, whatever. Stay in there. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm on the phone with a different woman from the same phone number. But what we realize while we're driving around in haste is Derek goes, Let me see that number you're calling. And I show you, he goes, Where did you get that number? And I went back to the website, and it's like, and it's all says all British Airways. But it, he goes, Let me see the URL. The URL says like ticketsontime.com.uk, something. It was a website that was masquerading. And I said to the woman, when I finally got this woman on time, and I said, could you tell me, I go, do you work for British Airways? And she says, we are a authorized ticket seller. That's what I'm supposed mm-hmm. to say. That's how she said it. She goes, that's what I'm supposed to say. Wow. <laughs> I go, so I am not talking directly to British Airways. This is like the third time I'm on the phone with this company's office. I am an authorized seller of British Airways tickets. That's what I'm supposed to say. I'm like, okay, Derek has hang up on them. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still trying to negotiate the price of a ticket at this point. And the whole time we were driving around panicky looking for a spot, we finally, when we finally park into that spot, somebody on the British Airways on hold, we were on hold for like 30 minutes, picks up. We never thought anybody would pick up. We thought, well, that's it. We'll just go. Now it's time to go to the desk. There'll be a human being. We could figure it out with the human being. But somebody picks up and he says, hello, Eddie. And... First, Derek started talking. Then I started talking. And then the guy goes, wait a minute. Whose ticket is screwed up? Because I'm hearing two voices. And, and I was like, listen, this is the story. Derek is, works for me. He's, and I just made up this BS. I said, he's my assistant. He misspelled my name on the ticket. Well, you, you, you issued this ticket three months ago. You should fire ago. that guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this ticket was issued three months ago. Why are you getting your flights in three hours? Why are you doing this now? I go, I understand. It look, I, mean, I look like a moron. We both look stupid. I go, we only just noticed the misspelling. He's like, you know you're not supposed to do I'm like, just tell us if we can do it. He goes, give me a minute. And he goes away and comes back and goes, oh, he goes, what's the credit card you bought it under? And I knew it. What's the name? And so he confirmed all this stuff. And then he goes, okay, you should get an email in a minute. And I get the email. And my ticket is changed for nothing except for a scolding. That's it. <laughs> Wow. After Nobody like scolds four, Jimmy Dresta. <laughs> no, I was okay with it. I'm like, I know I'm a moron. I go, I only, and he's, he was like, didn't you get the confirmation? Why didn't you read it? When I go, I'm sorry. I just assumed everything was right. I'm sorry. And so now I got the ticket. And we go. And it was like, we were so relieved. We were like skipping like light as air, like going down to the terminal. And we got in the plane. Then Make Essential was great. Got to hang out with Colin Furs a little bit. And... A bunch of other YouTubers and NerdForge and, you know, just all the regular criminals out there that, you know, everyone loves to see. And so then it's time for me to go to the Australia. That's just there. Act One. We just heard the, Act One. The Australia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to go to the Australia. Now, this is why I disappeared. People wanted to know, like, what happened here? Like, how you? So, like, a lot of people intimately knew when I was expected to be in Australia or they were expecting me to, like, call and say I was there, whatever. So I leave on it. I go... We leave Make a Central on Sunday night. We get a cab to the airport, which is like a 100-mile cab ride. I pay for it just so we didn't have to fiddle with the trains. There was like a confusing train strike going on. And so we get we get down to the... We get a hotel in the terminal, like right near the terminal. So we get a hotel in the morning, 8 in the morning. I get on my bus, give Derek a hug goodbye, because now he's getting on a different flight to, back to America. And I'm on this bus, and just as I'm stepping off the bus, I get a phone call from Australia. 
it's Monday morning at like nine o'clock. My flight's at like eleven thirty, and the calls from my host in in Melbourne. He says, uh, Jimmy, there's been a little bit of a problem with your work visa. It hasn't issued yet. So just um, and I now I know John. I know him personally now since I spent some time with him. But he was so casually just goes, so just uh, book your ticket for twenty four hours from now, and we'll see if it comes in, and uh, we'll figure it out. That's it. Okay. <laughs> now I'm at the terminal with 24 hours to kill. Mm. Oh. <laughs> so my work visa didn't come in. So I go to the counter anyway. He's like, go to the counter, see what what the girls can, if anybody there can help you. So I go to the counter and the girls at at uh, a Kangaroo Airlines. I forget. I always forget what it's called. There's a kangaroo on the logo. Um, so I go to that airline. That's where I'm flying from. And. The woman at the counter like this, your electronic visa is not here. You don't have a visa. Go to this website and you'll get a tourist visa in a few minutes. And I said, well, my host over there said I'm being issued a work visa. And then I wrote to John. I was like, should I get a tourist visa? He goes, well, it might be risky if you have two visa applications. And at the same time, they probably think you're being fishy. It might not work. They might lock you out altogether. It's like, all right. So long story short i became great friends with the girls at the agent there they kept always helping me i'd walk up and they'd like shake their head no because they knew my name by now because because they said so the day when i missed that first flight because i didn't have a visa they said there's a flight tonight at eight o'clock hang around the airport see if you can get a flight at eight o'clock maybe a visa will come in by then no it didn't come in so now i wait literally i waited 24 hours it's the first attempt first attempt didn't work 24 hours the second attempt didn't work i waited to eight o'clock that same day that didn't work and then it's like, wait another 24 hours. So it would have been my third attempt, 48 hours since I got there. Both times I rented a hotel in the airport. And you said you didn't have a computer. So you have no friends and no computer. It's just you. No and friends, your phone. no computer. Me, and I'm just shooting little films around the airport, you know, trying to do like, what would Casey Neistat do? That's all the time I'm thinking, like, what would I shoot? Where do I shoot? What's a good, what's a good time lapse? Literally like, wringing my brain of any idea thoughts that i have reading a little bit watching instagram trying my phone bill is probably going to be five million dollars when i see mm. my phone and i'm on an international plan but that never really means anything other than you think you're okay until you get your bill that's basically what it means it's like oh you're on an international plan so you can have peace of mind until you get your bill in four weeks from now so it means you'll be don't fine. worry about it until later, <laughs> until later. <laughs> and so uh, that morning, so now it's uh, two failed attempts, you know, two minor attempts in the evening of both of those same days. So it would have been four attempts to get on a plane. And now it's my fifth attempt. And I've already missed day one of the event, which really isn't a, a public, it's like a interpersonal, we would have been doing planning. So I've missed, I, I, at this point, I'm, if I get there, I'm going to have missed that first day. And so I, John says, just get a tourist visa. It's the only thing. See what happens. I go, I go on the website. I go, I get a tourist visa. It takes me five minutes. I get a tourist visa and I'm on the plane. Oh, oh man. It works. It works. <laughs> oh it did. I know. Oh, and this is another heart moment story. Like if this was a documentary, you would have seen the moment. It's like you're going through the visa application on their app, on the app, the government app for Australia. And there's a moment it's like scanning to see if you have any other applications in your name. So I hit scan. And I'm like, now my heart starts racing. You know, like you always, always say, like, hey, your heart races when you hit publish on a video. You know that's not the best <laughs> video you ever made. <laughs> so I hit scan, and and it's I'm like, okay, it's going to say, oh, your your application is pending, so you can't give you the. And that didn't happen, thankfully. So that's what I was anticipating. Because you are now arrested. <laughs> right. Ah! It's like, look behind you. There's a cop on your shoulder. <laughs> and so now it issues. I get on the plane. I fly seventeen thousand miles. From UK to Perth on, I don't know, 20 hour plane ride. I don't know. And so I land in Perth and I get off the plane in Perth for refueling. So I'm going to get back on the same plane and then fly six more hours to something like that. The, the numbers are loose. And I land and I get a message from Johnny. He said, Good news, your work visa has issued. <laughs> hey, good news, I'm here. And I said, I'm here now, but I don't go through customs until I get to Melbourne. Now that I have two visas, am I going to get in trouble when I walk through the gate? Because I have two visas now. I have a work visa and a tourist visa. And he says, don't worry about it, mate. It's all automated. <laughs> they won't talk to you. Long story short, I go through it. It is automated. I did speak to a guy directly, but he never asked me about the fact that I had two visas on my name. They didn't seem to mind. And I got in. So I got in two days late, but I only missed one day of planning. And then the event was... One day of, of personal meetings with a lot of people who paid to take 
expert courses. They, they, the event is a little confusing, this whole thing called sawdust, sawdust wood dust. I keep telling you, I keep calling it sawdust because in America we call it sawdust, there they call it wood dust. So wood dust live. There was the first day of the event was people all around the city taking private lessons. So I'm just guessing there's probably like 70, 80 people that took private lessons from all different people on furniture making and, and wood carving and all types of really intimate like woodworking stuff. And then the two-day live event. So if you bought tickets to that, you get to go to the live event, the two-day live event. It was April's team versus my team. And we did live builds in front of audiences. And it was really just an excuse to just come up with interesting tips to show people while we worked in real time. And I work, well, I had two assistants, uh, uh, Matt Black and, and Mark Dana. They're, they're uh, Australians. They didn't live in Melbourne. They both had to fly in from far away because it's obviously a big country. But they were, they were great. I had a really great time. And April had two great team members on her side. And we all bonded really well after my whole episode of traveling. It was a lot of fun to goof about it, but uh, it was really, the trip was really worth it. I'm really glad I got to spend as much time as I did with April because we've been friends now for going on almost eight, nine years. And, you know, we never really get a chance to chew the fat about the business and stuff. And we, we had, a, ultimately, it was a great trip. Aside from those few moments where I thought I was going to get arrested or bumped <laughs> off a plane or whatever, I never really was worried about being arrested. I just was worried about just being locked out. You know, if they think you're doing some funny business, they lock you out. Yeah. And then when you travel internationally from America versus internationally internally outside of America, the security is so much more heightened. It's more nerve wracking. They're making you feel like you're smuggling something that's not in your bag the whole time. You're like, I just, I hope they're not going to, like one of the British guys, there's like, in the time I was like standing around doing nothing, there was just a roving passport check. So these three policemen from the British in the British uh, terminal walked up to me like, let me see your passport. And then they're like asking me all these questions and they're like, what, uh, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a YouTuber. And then I had to explain that stupid answer. And then it's like, <laughs> and I said, I said, can I film this? And like, you could film this, but why do you have a camera? I go, I film everything. Why do you film everything? I thought you make things about just making stuff. Do you make stuff? Or do you film everything? I go, I do both. Like I had, like I got into this like weird oh, conversation with, and then, and then I have this battery pack. It's a battery charging pack, whatever. It's just, you know, it's like a battery pack. And I have a million rubber bands on it because I always have all different cords stuck in it. And then he goes, what is that? He started like sucking up juice at the plug. I go, it's my battery pack. He goes, is it broken? I go, no, I just have rubber bands on it. He goes, why do you have so many rubber bands on it? I go, because I'm tucking wires into it. Like, like all of a sudden, I'm like, what? I did not doing anything wrong. Who did you kill, Jimmy? And he goes, he goes <laughs> let me see it. Wrong. He goes, let me see it. So I hand it to him. And tucked in it is like a little bamboo toothpick that I just pulled out of a hamburger that I ate about 20 minutes before because I was picking my teeth up. <laughs> of course. And he goes, what are you doing with this bamboo toothpick? He goes, what are you doing with this, with this sharp object, is what he said. Of course, he has to immediately start making it feel guilty. He's making the object feel guilty. Even the object's like, I'm just a toothpick for a hamburger. <laughs> he goes, what are you doing with this sharp stick? I go, it's, I go, I pulled it out of a hamburger, and I pointed at the hamburger place, which I was sitting in front of. He goes, you can't take this on the plane. I was like, okay, I won't take it on the plane. He's like, what are you planning on doing with it? I go, I was picking my teeth with it. He's going to take down the pilot and the whole plane with a bamboo stick three inches long. Anyway, so that's just like when you travel into inter countries and in Europe, it's just everything's just heightened. And then mm. you know, you see, you hardly ever see in America the guys walking around with like the machine guns. And in Europe, you tend to see them a little bit more often. And it's just, it's just, uh, it's a shocking sight to see. I don't know. I go to Walmart and there's people walking around with machine guns there. Just... <laughs> it's true. That's true. So that was my trip. That was my crazy trip. It was really wonderful. It's nice to get away, but I am so happy to be home. I told you guys my weeds are like six feet tall all around my house. My house looks abandoned and haunted, so I'm going to start working on the weeds today and go through my 400 UPS packages that showed up while I was gone. Mm-hmm. And I bought I bought that. I don't know if I told you guys. I bought that new Mercedes Benz convertible I mentioned yeah. last time. That one I bought from a family friend, and I only got to drive it like a day before I left. So that's still brand new to me out in the out in the garage to play with. And uh, yeah, so I got a lot to do. I have to eventually make a movie for YouTube because that's what I do for a living. So <laughs> you film stuff and you make yeah. stuff. Which yeah. is well, it? Why, are you making stuff or are you filming stuff? Why are you filming at the airport? Are you making stuff here? I'm like. Oh my god, dude! So I can film whatever I want. Mm. 
welcome back man yeah. no it was fun I, i'm just telling you the funny parts but the interpersonal conversations with the fans were amazing again a lot of the same people a lot of new people a lot of new kids young kids watching the show everywhere it, it was great it was a really wonderful time and and the guys in australia were great we all bonded even you know the stupid thing happened with the, with the visa was a stupid thing but you know it was a funny bonding moment but I'm, i was really making contingency plans to turn around and go home and i was like who could pick me up at jfk if i get to jfk and i was calling my friends in america and uh, i was like well if this doesn't work in the next few hours i'm definitely going to be on a plane back to america i'm going to just walk over to the virgin airlines counter and buy a ticket but i got on the plane and the rest is, is history. So, I just want to point out that David and I are both your friends, and you didn't call either one of us for a ride. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't drive eighteen <laughs> hours never, to pick you, you guys up from never an airport. Came to New but... York. Don't pull my leg. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Fair enough. <laughs> one of these days. One of these days. Well, no, it was uh, it was a really wonderful trip, and and if you're listening and you're at the show, and you gave me a hug and, and a thank you, I want to thank you back. So it was great, and and the woodworking show in Australia was great. There was a bunch of cameras, and we literally work live, which I said is probably one of the worst things to do for a, a, a so-called woodworking entertainer is to work live. But the guys did a lot of prep, so when we worked, there was a lot of a lot of the long, boring tedious things that were already done like cutting slats and routering edges we made a chair we made a, what's called a drop zone like when you come in and you put your keys and you hang your jacket um, <clears throat> we made a, a three-legged stool we made a couple of like sort of challenging things that were requested by the fans would dust live went out and asked the fans what they want to see made live and these were a few things and hmm. it, it, it was fun it was really fun those were two full days of those builds and then we did a, a long Q&A one particular evening so yeah, that's, that's did you get story. to do anything in Australia other than work? I personally didn't. No, I just hung out with those guys. And the the place that I stayed was a really interesting place that was a former prison. Prison. It was on. It's probably on. Oh, it's on forty acres. I remember hearing somebody say that. It's a forty acre plot of land with a giant wall around it. Looks almost like a mini version of like the Wall of China, with gun turrets at every corner, like castle gun turrets. Oh. Built in eighteen fifties. Pen Pentridge. I was at Pentridge, which was an operating prison from the 1850s up until 1997. Whoa. And then the land became unused, abandoned, tra traded hands a few times, and then this most recent activity started about five years ago, where they built a mall and a hotel. They, they basically made a big public open space. And there's tours where they, there's still relics of the original buildings. Some of the original buildings have been converted into modern buildings. The hotel I stayed in was connected to one of the original buildings. So the brand new building I stayed in, which is a brand new high-rise hotel, connected right to it is the original prison tiers of one of, there's several buildings, but one of the original buildings with all the prison tiers, you could go, some of the rooms, like the prison cells are connected together to make up one private room. Mm. The cells were small. They're like 10 by, maybe like seven by 10 feet. They're crazy small. And so they've knocked and combined them. I didn't go into any of that section, but I knew they were available. But anyway, it was an cool. interesting place to be and see. And a lot of people, when I mentioned where I was staying in an old prison, they were like, oh, you were, you were in Pentridge. Yeah, yeah, I know that place. Huh. It's kind of like a tourist destination now because they've taken something that's got this like morbid history and turned it into something positive. But then they're showing all, like everywhere you look, there's like a plaque that says what happened here and who stayed. There's some couple of famous, like, you know, the equivalent of Jesse James in Australia, like those type of oh, lovable right. uh, anti-heroes. A couple of guys stayed there. So ultimately it was great. And I got to hang out with my friend Gil, who I haven't seen in a long time, who was in one of my early vlogs, Gil from Australia. So I got to hang out with Gil. He gave me a full tour of the day. I had one day left to do nothing before I got on the plane. So Gil drove me all around. I got some good footage of the city and all different locations. So thank you, Gil. And that's it. And I didn't make anything. And like I said, one day I'll make a movie again for YouTube. <laughs> I'll start. I'll probably start tomorrow working on my next idea. Cool. Well, David, did you sleep in a prison and get stuck in an airport in the no, last couple of weeks? I don't want to. I don't want to follow that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should have gone first. It's like the local band playing after Led Zeppelin or something. Oh man! Um, so last week we, uh, I, I've been doing these like Goodwill finds and taking them and then doing a little transform thing, and I found this old school desk 
that uh, we took back and kind of refinished and did a bunch of bent wood lamination and curves and stuff. And I thought I want to try to tie in all the little thrift store videos together. So I decided to, we're going to take this and then we're going to throw it up on Facebook marketplace and sell it. And that will be the budget for the next video. We'll see if we can slowly cool. build up uh, a budget and do bigger things. And that school table has been for sale for a good three or four days and it hasn't sold yet. So it might make an interesting story for the next uh, next one. So, uh, so far it's an experiment that hasn't worked, but we'll give it, we'll give it some time. And then um, to give myself a little breathing space be uh, before the next project, uh, we, we quickly did a, a, a shop tour I had my brother come over and I'm like, I, I just need to, I want to see if we can film a video in a day. I want to do a shop tour. Let's brainstorm. What can we do different? What's, what's a shop tour that hasn't been done. And so he, my brother came up with the idea. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about prices of tools, what, what you paid for and what you didn't pay for. So that's what we did. We went around the whole shop and I'm like, I paid this much and this was given to me. And then there's like a little tally up on the screen of, of me versus free. Oh, interesting. Uh, and, um, you know, I, over the last few years, I, I, I've taken a lot less free tools because, you know, I gotta, gotta feed the dogs and I really didn't know the numbers kind of surprised me because I never really added everything up. And so I, I won't, I'm not going to spoil the video, but I'm like, oh yeah, I got, I forgot that was free. Shoot. Uh, that was an expensive tool. So that was a, so it's a fun little video that uh, I'm finishing the edit now. And I think we'll be out on Sunday. Cool. The truth will be revealed. Mm. So you, you're saying you spent a lot more than you ever expected, or you got a lot more free than you expected? I got more free. The I got more free compared to what I paid for. There's what the laser, the laser really throws things off because it's like a ten thousand dollar laser, and so that like yeah. instantly like yeah. changes the numbers drastically. But yeah, but I mean, also, like trying to put those two whole numbers like the complete numbers next to each other mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense at all it doesn't really you know what i mean yeah. because it's like a company can give you a ten thousand dollar laser that at retail would be ten thousand dollars but it costs them i don't know six thousand dollars to mm -hmm. make or whatever the thing is and so like they're giving you something in a totally different way than if you were to spend your own money on that same thing i don't know that's kind of but no one else would understand that you know no no viewer would be like oh yeah it's fine i understand <laughs> and if, april, if april was here she'd yell at me from from across the room like she did the other night in our q a because <laughs> i said oh yeah i get free stuff and she's like nothing is free <laughs> april she's like jimmy stop it it's not free you work for it she always yells at me i remember mm. she there have been several times where we've been in each other's presence where like we're doing q a's and i'm like somebody asked me about free tools and april will yell at me she's like Jimmy, you work for it. It's not free. Stop it. <laughs> it's like change your mind, change your mindset on that. But yeah. she's right. She's right. Yeah, that's the truth. Uh, I mean, like we're doing a video this next week uh, because a laser we got from Thunder Laser we've been super happy with, and we were trying to figure out how do we make a video about explaining the value of a laser without it being just a straight commercial because that's not the point. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to them and I was like, "All right, well, we're thinking about making this video about when, when in your, in your shop is it time to like add this functionality? Like, at what point does that become worthwhile to offset the cost and stuff?" And so we had, and and I asked them, you know, can I? I've had a bunch of lasers. I've had a Glowforge. I've got a full spectrum. I paid for both of those out of pocket. I, I'm not paying for this one, but it's a, basically the same cost as the other ones I have. So can I name those other brands as a comparison, you know, because I have spent my own money on these things. And they were like, yeah, that sounds great. I'm like, oh, awesome. So now I'm getting, we to I'm make getting this video my Thunder Laser tomorrow, by the way. So I'll be looking forward to seeing your video. Not an ad. This is not an ad, but it is a fantastic machine. And that's all well that's built. all I've ever heard. And honestly, when they made me the first offer, I was looking for a yearly thing with somebody, hoping to get like yeah. a full on long term relationship. And they only offered me a sheen for a video. And, and after going back, I'm like, you know what? Everybody likes this machine. I'm sure they seem like a decent company. I'll get yeah. the machine and then figure out more subsequent videos after I get this. Yeah. One. Yeah. And I'm sure that'll it, happen. 
you'll you'll use it next to your old one and you'll be like oh Hmm, I see. <laughs> like it's just it's just way nicer. Yeah, I'm moving um, the old one to my friend nearby. She's gonna I'm gonna teach her how to use it. So because she, she's getting into that type of work, yeah. And so I'm giving it to her so that she can either make stuff for my my website or, or her website or whatever. But this way, it's like I'm giving it to her. She's gonna use it, and if I ever needed it or if she needed to get rid of it, she can give it back. But yeah. it'll be nearby. So in this video, it's it's ended up being pretty cool to ha not have to justify the cost of that but to explain how you actually can justify the cost of, of a big machine like that and so the whole video is about here's the difference in capabilities across from like a small laser to a big one we paid for these we didn't pay for this one so how can you justify what can you make with them to cover their cost and it turns out that like it doesn't take very much to justify the cost of like a twelve, thirteen thousand dollar laser like you can pay that off really quickly yeah. with a small object that you sell on on Etsy or whatever. Yeah. So, so we tried to build a video around that while you know showing off the quality of the machine. But it was another one of those. Back to the point, David. It was another one of those of like, yeah, I mean that thing's like, like a used car, mm -hmm. like a nice used mm -hmm. car, you know. Yeah. And it's hard to mm -hmm. to swallow from the outside to be like, oh yeah, somebody just gave you this thing that I could have gotten around town in or whatever. But it's also the size of a smart car. Yeah, yeah. Is it a is it a hundred watt? It's one hundred and thirty. One hundred and thirty. That's what I'm getting. The same one. Gotcha. Yeah. And if you, the crazy thing about it, and we haven't done this yet, but if you get the four inch uh, nozzle lens thing to put on it, you can cut through cleanly cut through three quarter inch plywood mm -hmm. in a single pass. Mm. Wow. That's crazy. Anyway, um, yeah. So we've been working on that video. Before that, we did. The light upstairs uh, that I was telling you guys about. That was cool. Put that video out. Um, the animation it, it worked out really was well. really cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it. It. I want to get back and add more animation to it because it's. Well, now that I've got it figured out, you know, doing different patterns and different colors and whatevers. Uh, it's just a matter of sitting down and writing the code for it. Yeah, but it's all it's there and working. Um. And so we were about to put this video out and we, we had an idea for the title and thumbnail and all that type of stuff. And we were like, just maybe this is a whole nother conversation. I'll get back to that. Remind me about the thumbnail and title. Okay. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so the last few weeks, just to recap, uh, we did the, the light, the light upstairs video. Um, I've been wrestling with the green cruiser still. It got stuck somewhere. I had to get it towed home. I tested everything I could possibly test, ended up swapping the starter out to the original original starter, and now it works every time. <laughs> so, mm. I don't know. Uh, but I have a car again, which is nice. And, well, any updates on the white one? Um, last, I talked to the guy a week ago. Okay, get this. I'm just going to vent for just Go. a second. Okay. You can. You, you, you're allowed. <laughs> okay. It's been 11 months since I dropped this thing off with them, right? That is a long time. It is a very long time. And the engine went to a machine shop. It's not his fault. It went somewhere else. And he told me about a month ago, yeah, they're working on it. It's it's being worked on. Cool. So I called the other day and I'm like, so, you know, just what's up, man? I like, I, I got a family. I need my car. What's up? What's going on? <laughs> he says, well, the guy looked at it on the outside and said it looks really good, and he's going to open it up soon to see if he needs if you need new pistons for it. Wait a minute! Isn't that the whole reason it went over there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! So you can't work on an engine unless you actually touch the engine. You can't. You have to. You physically do things to it to work. It's on been it. so and long; he forgot what he BS'd you to begin with. Prob yeah, absolutely the truth. That's what absolutely it is, yeah. the truth. Wow. Yeah. And. It was basically like if he has to replace the pistons, it'll cost this much, and if not, it'll be a lot cheaper and wasn't it'll that be the original, faster. Wasn't that a, a conversation eleven months ago? <laughs> yeah, it was. So, it, I don't know. I was just I was frustrated, and <clears throat> it, I was already. Uh, having... Have you have you reached out to anybody in the audience that lives in the eastern hemisphere of the United States that does engine repair that would be willing to help Bob and get a little shout out on YouTube and mm, you're not, not getting it for free but you're not going to do it for free you'll certainly you just want the, the oh, family I'd happily pay somebody yeah it's saying it's so just going to get some family love from any machinists out there yeah. that rebuild 
Well, and the thing that's frustrating Jimmy, is like Jimmy Durest at me dot com because Bob won't give us <laughs> and then I'll forward it to Bob. At nice. The thing that's the most let's frustrating, get Bob's engine going. Come on, guys. I'll, I'm the thing that's be the most frustrating here. is that a year ago, the guy told me, or eleven months ago, I want to expand it. Eleven months ago, the guy told me that if we go with this one guy, it will take a year. If we go with this other guy, it'll take six weeks. Now, I understand that everybody has schedules, and he, I can't hold him to that. That's fine. But in the year, I guarantee you I could have learned how to rebuild an engine. I guarantee you I could have gotten whatever tooling I needed to do it and figured it out enough to get an engine on the road. You know, Maybe not like as good as a machine shop, right. but I could have learned how to do it. And I'm irritated that I didn't. Mm. But I was thinking like six weeks, like I can't learn that in six weeks, you know? So is your and it's engine, just one of those like sunk cost things where you've already put in the time and you're like, well, it'll probably only be a couple other months. It'll it'll only be this and it'll right. you know. And now we're so now the ready. the engine has is I'm doing air quotes blown. The engine is blown. Mm-hmm. And do we know is there any broken mechanics in it or did the pistons lock up? Did it seize? Like do you know? It seized. Yeah. Ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah. So theoretically, the damage is all inside the sleeves. Block, yeah. And and that's it. Um, but I have the new engine that I. I bought, it's a used engine, but it's a running engine oh, right. that I bought that so he's wait, rebuilding. He's rebuilding a used engine. So the other yes. engine is, is toast. It's dead, dead. Right, right. I forgot about that. So you gave him a mechanically working engine, but you just rebuilding mm-hmm. it so it's tightened up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. That's a bummer. And the thing is, he probably could have just put in the new engine and like it would have run. Mm-hmm. He just would have probably like burned oil or something simple. Yeah. Anyway. So that's where that's at. Uh mm-hmm. Where's the but, toasted? Where's the toasted engine? Maybe that's a good experimental one to play with. Well, it's still in the truck, oh. which is in my driveway. But I don't the, have get, like an engine. Get noise. that thing out of there! Put it on the bridge port. <laughs> I really <laughs> should get it out because that would actually just make it cheaper if I just yeah. pulled the engine myself. Pull it out, see, less, and do like yeah. a, a forensic analysis. You and Josh pull that apart. I guess I could pull the head off. Of it Go get some sandpaper. Come I can't on, do you can any fix this. damage by pulling the head off of it, and I could at least see what's happening inside of it. Yeah. Anyway. He told me, okay, so the guy has it now, whatever, you know, it's where it is. I don't know. Call me in two weeks from today and I'll tell you how far he's gotten on it. And that is like Memorial Day. <laughs> so I'm going to call did him today after him, Memorial did Day. Did you tell him that you're a big YouTuber? Did you say, did you try that yet? No. Has there been <laughs> any money exchanged? <laughs> there has been money exchanged. Why would I do that? <laughs> because. Do you know who I am? Yeah, don't you know who I am? Tell. Bob, what's the name of this machine shop, by the way? Mm. Um, I don't know the name of the machine shop. That's the thing. <laughs> I gave it to the shop that has repaired the truck. Because the guy fixing your engine might be a huge fan of yours. And then all of a sudden, he'd be like, whoa, 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 what? I didn't know I this know. was Bob's engine. I'm putting it in the front of the pack. Now it's going to be yeah, done in a, yeah, three right. months instead of five months. My money spends the same as everybody else's money. Yeah, I don't know. So long answer to nothing has changed. <laughs> But right, if anybody knows weeks, how to fix uh, engines, email me at Jimmy Durest at Mac.com if you're in Kentucky. And I'm, Bob, I'm going to be a filter. I'll filter out the good ones if there is anybody okay. that's willing to help. You okay. will get paid. This isn't a freebie. Oh, yeah. You'll end I have up to get it back more. at this point. And as, I guarantee you, as soon as somebody's like, yeah, I can do it, he'll be like, okay, it's done. <laughs> well, that's sometimes <laughs> oh, you got it. Sometimes you got to push fate. You know, you got to. Yeah. Well, and happen. it was funny because when I was talking to the guy, I'm like, all right, I'm going to call you back and bug you. When should I do that? Trying to be nice about it, but like letting him know, like I'm, I, I'm going to irritate you until this thing gets done. And he was like, I get it, I understand. I'll give you a discount on our labor once I get the engine, you know. But anyway, so car stuff. Will um, you do? Will you do a video on all that? Like, if somebody does come through and help you, would they be? Would they get some YouTube? Expo- I'm just checking, you know, as an agent. I'm just trying to figure out how to handle. What's your the commission deal. on this, Jimmy? Nothing. It's just this is oh. your friendly present for your birthday oh, in July. Wow. Oh, that's that's really cool. July fourth uh, is Bob's birthday. If nobody knew, oh, don't he, tell people my birthday. Everybody Dang knows it. my birthday. Uh, actually, they didn't. Oh, then bleep <laughs> it. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So engine stuff. That's where that's at. Um, what else? Oh, we went to. Uh, did I tell you about the homeschool conference thing? That yes. We were how did go that to? go? Did that was that a success? Or it was really mediocre? interesting. So we we built this mostly. Josh built this booth of collapsible panels and you know mounted tv and arduino stuff that was mounted on the wall with a button and a kid could hit a button and stuff would happen on the wall and the whole thing was to just kind of promote the courses so we went to this 
two, three day event. Three, yeah, it was three days. We took R2D2, which was kind of a pain in the butt, but a huge success because most people, I realize, have never seen a full size R2D2 in real life. So when they do and they're not expecting it, they freak out. It was really fun. <laughs> I mean, kids at, were like, At, at oh, a conference neat. like that, I could imagine it's not something they would expect to see. Sure, at, yeah, it's not like going Maker to a Central, Comic-Con. There was or, 10 of them there, yeah. or a Comic-Con, right. yeah. Um, but at, at that, man, I mean, the kids were like, oh, neat, cool, look at that thing. And then there were a lot of adults my age who almost cried. Were just like, I've, I never thought I would, this is amazing. Did you make this? And they, you know, <laughs> That's cool. People were like, can I hug him? I just want to hug him. And so that was really neat. The bad thing about that was it 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 got a, a lot of attention to the booth. I think we definitely had the most like trafficked booth in this whole thing. But they were there for one thing. They got drawn in by him, but you know, it kind of carried over into what we were selling into the courses because it was about like, you know, you could design this entire thing in Fusion. Like it's all stuff that you do. You could pro- he is running on an Arduino. You could program him. But that as an idea is such an insurmountable project for most people that they didn't correlate the benefit of the course to you know something like that and nobody else is going to build one <laughs> it's just it's just a neat thing to see so it was it was a good learning experience for us it wasn't we i don't even think we like made our money back you know the cost of getting there and everything maybe maybe we broke even i don't know but it wasn't you know, like a windfall of, of sales or anything, but it was a good learning experience about how to have a presence at an event where you're selling something because it's not something we've ever really done before. How many vendors and, were there? Roughly uh, hundreds or tens yeah, of tens? Of- y- n- no, hundreds. Um, our booth was like 580 something and we were near the end. So I guess there's that many hmm. spaces, oh, wow. but then some of those spaces were multiple, like uh, one company would have multiple yeah. spaces so i'd say probably 300 individuals oh, yeah, that's, si- that's very sizable anybody yeah. recognize you? there were a lot of people uh, yeah actually um quite a few people uh were came over and were watchers of the channel and you know were super excited to see us there was a family that was working in another booth i guess the dad worked for the company and so all the kids were also helping out at this booth and they were right across from us and so they immediately came over and started talking to us. And then the entire weekend, we're just like, they kept coming over and we're just like hanging out and they got to know us. And then they, you know, they weren't like nervous anymore and they came over and chilled. And we had a 3D printer running the whole time just to show people, you know, something you could make. And so it was printing these little vases in vase mode. And so they would take about two hours a piece. And the littlest of these kids kept coming over and like, is that thing done yet? And I'm like, no, it's got another 15 minutes. You come back over, is it done yet? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it was done. But I gave it to this kid that was walking past. And he was like, okay. And turn around and walk oh. away. And I could tell he wanted one so badly. <laughs> so I I finally, like, pulled one aside when it came off the printer and set it, you know, down and started another one. And then one time he came over and he was like, is that one done yet? And I'm like, I got you one right here, buddy. And he lit up. <laughs> so excited to get a red piece cute. of plastic. But, yeah, the people were great um, and very interested but I think it was the so for anybody who's going to do something like that, I think the biggest thing we learned was that at people go to those things with the intention of walking away with a book. You know, that's their expectation. And so to sell a digital course was attractive to them. Like they were like, oh, great. So I don't have to have any books or paperwork or whatever. I can sign up now. And it's yeah. But. I think the fact that they didn't have to buy it right there, they could buy it later, worked against us. So I think what we need to do in the future is have a thing that if you buy it right now, you walk away with additional something Mm -hmm. to incentivize somebody to spend the money right then and there and not forget about it later on. So that's kind of the big thing I think we walked away with. But it was a good experience, you know, um, learning how to travel with all that, you know, set it up and break it down in a short amount of time. so it was it was pretty good. I'm not interested in doing it very often, but it was pretty good. <laughs> How many of you went? But uh, it was Josh and I and his wife. Okay. Megan got sick right before, so she was going to go. Um, and also it was in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, which I don't guess I had ever been to. I thought I had. I've been to Gatlinburg, which is right around the corner. And man, what an interesting town that is. 
Did you ever go to, like, did you go to Smoky Mountain Knife Works? That's right there. No, I didn't yeah. know about it. It's the biggest knife shop in the world on on 40 just oh. before Pigeon Forge. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um it's it's kind of like Las Vegas in the mountains. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's um yeah, it's Dolly Parton's uh, got a big part in all that, right? Yeah, Dolly Dolly, Dolly World is there, uh, which I, I guess is a specific, like a park that we didn't yeah. we didn't see or anything. But it was really surprising <clears throat> how there's like a strip. There's kind of like a Vegas style. I mean, it's not like Vegas, you know, but it felt like that where there's this really dense strip of restaurants and shows and all this type of stuff, and then you go two or three blocks in either directions and you're in the mountains it is mm-hmm. really strange you know and beautiful out in the mountains like beautiful but that little strip was really weird um so anyway uh back to the thumbnail title thing so yeah. we're doing this video we've got it all done trying to figure out the thumbnail and going back and forth and i'm like jimmy gave me this guy's number you should call that guy <laughs> yes so i called the guy drew and uh, he had a few minutes. We jumped on a call for, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. Super nice guy. Drew, he's a big, he's awesome. a big fan of both of you guys. He's a big fan of both He's so excited to, to it know It was funny because I, I, I sent him a text with a number, and I'm like, hey, this is Bob Claggett, and Jimmy gave me your number. I hope it's all right. And he was like, never heard of you. And I was literally <laughs> typing the response, oh, maybe I have the wrong number. I apologize. And before I hit send, he was like, I'm just kidding. You know, what can I do for you? Whatever. <laughs> That's perfect. But he got me. Um, yeah, so we talked for a while. He gave me some really great, advice in the same way that he has for you which then took me back to we had a meeting like the whole team and kind of like i repeated all the stuff he told me and then we figured out how to apply it to what we were doing um and like i don't know like i don't want to ruin his life by having everybody contact him all the time. <laughs> he's becoming the he's becoming the <laughs> thumbnail guru he helped but, uh, he helped Anavol Trades too recently. Oh, and, yeah, he was telling me that. Yeah, yeah. And, if you notice Anavol Trades' videos have been bumping along. I mean, Anne's not really, you know, she's she she doesn't have like out of the park Grand Slam videos, but the last one was. Yeah. Um. So I I don't want to like people who are listening don't bombard him with stuff. <laughs> he has a life and he has things that he likes to do and he doesn't want to do everybody's thumbnails, but the views on our on this video are up ninety four percent. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and there's some, a couple he's, things he's like that the thumbnail gurus. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because we took some of his advice and we didn't take some other ones. And and mm-hmm. I told him this, like, I, you know, it's yeah. But it was a really good to have just an outside perspective, and that was one of the things that he pointed out is like a lot of times people who are making videos are too close to the video. Mm-hmm. They care too much about the thing that they were trying to do rather than the way to get it in front of people. And so I think it, just having an outside opinion was really helpful. Um, but Oh, I lost my train of thought. I had, tra- I said 94% and then ah, I missed it. I lost it. I had a thing there, but I don't know what it was. Anyway, so it's, it's doing well um, and gave us a lot to think about, about how to, how to do stuff like this in the, in the future. And so it's honestly, it's kind of weird how nice it feels to have a video do well. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And, and relative to two years ago, it wouldn't even be doing well. It would be doing like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah. Um, but it's doing well comparatively to modern the times. Times modern, for us. Modern times. Oh, that's what the other thing was. So one one of the I think we did two things differently on this video that maybe this will help people. The reason I'm telling you this is if you make videos, I want it to be helpful. We worked hard on the title and thumbnail to like elicit emotion and to not give away the thing you know a bunch of the stuff that everybody talks about there but also we did what is probably the simplest thing we could possibly do josh looked did a bunch of research on other things and looked on youtube at when our viewers are on youtube the most this is a number or a date a time that we've seen for years and we always put videos out on thursday because we always have not other any other reason than that expectation So we're looking at this graph and it says most of your viewers are on YouTube on Saturday afternoons and Sunday afternoons. And we're like, well, if we're trying to get the people to start watching it immediately, 
which would get the algorithm to start boosting it and showing it to other people. Like we need that first little bump. We should just put it out on a Saturday instead of a Thursday and see if that does anything. And that's all we did, <laughs> you know? And so I think working on title thumbnail stuff, but also just putting it out when people are there to watch it, it's such a simple thing. But like, I honestly think that that probably had more to do with it than the title and thumbnail or maybe equal amounts. I don't know. But Through, throughout the whole pandemic, I always put out videos on Saturday mornings at, at, at Adam over at the Maker Mob, who does a lot of consulting for me in the background. He's the one who said we should do Saturday mornings because it may be the same metrics that you you came yeah. across. And everybody's graph is going to show a different thing there. You know, I mean, it's not Saturdays for everybody, but right. for us, the, the biggest time was on Sunday. And I'm like, well, if we the second biggest was on Saturday afternoon. So if we can try to get both of those in the first 24 hours, then that's just helping our chances you know, to boost it. So, and it did, and it has. So anyway, that just felt like a little win. And uh, Drew was super helpful in that. So I wanted to give him a shout out. And to you, Jimmy, for connecting us. Yeah, he's a good um, guy. And he's got a great channel. And I'm going to recommend him this weekend. Nice. Yeah, yeah for sure. He's got, he's got a good video out. We'll talk about it in a second. Um, I think that catches me up. <laughs> oh, one more thing. One more thing. Yeah. Uh, I got in my Avid CNC plasma table. Oh, nice. A couple days ago, and I got it built. I've been like every free moment. I've been bolting stuff together. And so as of last night, I got it built and started running some of the cables to get it connected. I'm really excited to have it up and running. So. Oh, that's going to be fun. And are you going to run it inside your shop? It's usually a messy mm -hmm. tool to run. It's yeah, kinda, those got, have a good enclosure though, right? They usually have a pretty good enclosure to keep the water from splashing around. It's got yeah, like a two inch water bed or something like that. Mm. But it's I'm putting it in my the corner of my basement, which has concrete floors, two concrete walls. Oh, and you know, your it's home? in a corner. Yeah. Okay. Um so and it's back where I have like a utility sink and stuff anyway. So it's yeah. already kind That's of good. away from everything. Yeah, it's just it's I, I keep mine corralled in the corner with those big welding screens just because the yeah. sparks kind of tend to fly around. Yeah, that's one the, one of the things they were suggesting is getting those um, curtains, welding curtains to put, put around it. So I'm going to do that, but I'm really excited about having that up and running. And that's causing me, I mean, I had to make space for it. <clears throat> and so I had to move this old shelving unit that I had there out. Was this big thing, it's like one piece that's a giant shelving unit. Well, what am I going to do with this? And so I pulled it up into our garage. And then once I had it up there, I'm like, well, I could I could kind of put that right there and then store a bunch of stuff on it. And then so it's funny that adding a piece of a two by four tool to the shop actually made two other parts of my basement better mm. because it forced me to reuse shelving in a way that made the most of the shelving, which let me pull stuff off the floor and underneath the table to put on the shelf, which then opened up, you know, so it's like this interesting cascade of organization from one place. There, down there, to that other. obviously is a skill that, that I personally am not good at, but having the same amount of, you know, you might want to say five pounds of poop in a 10 pound, uh, five pounds of poop in a three pound bag kind of thing. But there are people <laughs> that are good at rearranging that three yeah. pounds in the two pound area and making it work much better than anybody would ever expect. Yeah. I think I'm pretty good at that when I can do when I can focus on it. My problem is I just like will set stuff down. You look at my desk and it's just like mounds of things because Actually, I'm looking at your until video. I take the time to actually. It looks like you're moving. I see boxes everywhere. Oh, yeah. No, I have a bunch of old toys that I'm selling off and then that box is just a some filters for my air conditioning unit. Gotcha. <laughs> Nothing fancy. All right. Um, but yeah, I mean, the reason the room is messy is because I just walk in and I'm like in mid project and I just set stuff down. And so. If I can give you advice when you're going to make your first couple of cuts on the plasma table, please do. And this has been my, you know, this you learned the hard way is if you, you, sometimes you tend to follow the software and the software says, Oh, if this metal's this thick and the, 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 the amperage is this much and the speed is this much and it doesn't cut through, it doesn't penetrate, but it still decides to just follow your tool path and it's blowing a shower of sparks all over the place because it's not penetrated the metal. But the machine mm. doesn't know that, but you're panicked trying to hit the switch before something in the whole world goes on fire because there's literally like a fireworks display blowing off of the top of your surface of your metal because it hasn't penetrated. So my advice to you is anytime 
it gives you a cut path, especially in the beginning until you get to know the machine, until you know exactly where the line is. Instead of letting the machine blow off the top, slow the cut way, way down, and then let it... So if it says, if it recommends 100 inches per minute, I'd go to like 50% of that and see what the cut does. Mm. And then if it's too slow, then speed it up a little bit. Then if it's too slow again, speed it up a little bit more. So this way you know you're going to penetrate and get a cut versus too fast, you're going to get like a blown room full of spark, showered full of sparks. Sure. And sometimes but if you go that, too slow, that, then you'll end up with a not straight cut, right? It'll kind of like Not necessarily. Out. You'll end up with a lot of slag on the back, which just chips oh, off okay. anyway. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. And so that's why, you know, we do a few test cuts, but start super slow. I guess that's, that's the simple yeah. piece of advice. Start sim- super slow so that you can gain speed up versus going too fast to begin with and showering the room full of sparks, which is really scary. Hmm. Yeah. Occasionally, like I've had the machine... For one reason or another, like the, the the cut starts normal, but then I walk away and I look back and it's throwing sparks 15 feet in the air. It's really scary oh. when it doesn't penetrate, but it thinks it's penetrated and it's just blowing like an eighth inch depth into a quarter inch piece, for instance. Wow. But the remedy okay. to all that is just to start super slow when you're doing yeah. some test cuts. Can you adjust the speed the on one the one thing I still have... Uh, Bob, you say what? No, go ahead. That's I'm oh, Dave, you, you say what, Dave? Can you adjust the speed on the fly? Um, I don't think so. But uh, sometimes when it's a bad start, I hit stop and then I adjust it and hit start again. But yeah, no, I know on some some it's it's always advantageous when various CNC software can you can slow it down when you're in the middle of a cut. But some like once you hit start and a lot of CNC software, it's like locked up in that arrangement and you can't undo it. But um, the software for the Torchmate table will give you an interface where you can override any of the G-code before you hit start. And usually the paths that are created in the in the software that creates the paths aren't don't usually correlate to what's what's real for some hmm. reason. So I always just slow it down. In fact, Interesting. this is from one of the guys at Torchmate. He said, make all your cuts and do a preset of 100 inches a minute. That's your that's your baseline, 100 inches per minute for your cut. And then if it's super thin stuff, if it's like 16 gauge or, or four, uh, like 23 gauge, like super thin metal, 100 inches is good. The fatter it goes, slow it down. Mm. So if you go up to like, yeah. so I'd start with 100 inches a minute. And if I'm going to cut three eighths, I literally take it down to like 15% of 100 inches a minute. Right. So every cut path I make is always at 100 inches a minute in the G code. And then in the interface, I just adjust it there. That makes yeah. sense. I, instead, instead of typing yeah, in the thickness of the metal, and I just always it's sure. always a hundred inches, and then if I need to go faster than that, I speed it up. If I need to go slower than that, I slow it down. You scale it with the thickness. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the things I haven't figured out yet is a compressor because mm-hmm. in our conversation, he told me kind of the numbers like the CFM I needed for this one, and I thought I had a compressor that would do that, and then I went back and thought about it later, and I just have to do more research about the. How much how much air it needs at that CFM because I think that was my misunderstanding. So, other than that, though, you know the the machine has everything and yeah. it's like a really big torch, so it can it can easily do half inch steel. I think it can get through three quarter. Mm-hmm. Do you know slowly. what the what the what the uh, amperage is? Does it say like a, is it eighty amp or seventy? I don't I don't know. I haven't even opened that box yet. I've just been uh, building the frame yet. But because mine's I'm an eighty, about it. mine's an eighty amp and it can cut up to three quarters of an inch supposedly. Mm. I haven't I have never gone that thick. But um, on the compressor, I use the compressor from Lowe's, which was five hundred dollars. It's a sixty gallon, five hundred dollar. Okay. It's a, it's a great machine. It's a two twenty volt and it keeps up with my plasma cutter pretty good. Cool. Yeah, that's something I gotta figure out. Then you need good air. You need good water, water filtration. So you don't want the mm. air to collect water. Yeah. Makes for a cool. better cut. Well, that's that's the thing that I'm I'm kind of working on now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're an hour in, and we haven't that's really. Good. We just kind of caught up. Yeah. yeah, that's good. You guys got anything else? No, I think we're good. All right. We'll have more fun well, stuff to talk about next week. Yeah. Well, we're gonna go to the after show which we haven't done in a couple weeks either. 
Wait, but do we want to recommend? That. I was going to give Drew, Drew a shout out for a recommendation. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters. And then oh, we'll yeah. Do that. Okay, okay. You remember how this works? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Big thanks to everybody that helps us out on Patreon who stuck around for our little break. Uh, thank you. We, we are grateful for the support. Um, big thanks to the top supporters over there Crabtree Creative, The Web Ranch Woodworks, Michael Manegin, Warren Works, Stu Morrison, The New Janky Workshop, Scott Orham, Odin Leather Goods, Rich at Lowen Designs, Chad's Custom Creations, Chad from Mancrafting, Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, and Corey Ward. But also, I want to thank, I, I looked at our, our other tiers, the lower tiers, because we got a message and they were like, hey, you should, you know, thank some people from the lower tiers. Totally agree. So the first one on the top of the list is <laughs> Patchy Cahooters. And I don't think that's actually their name because the email address doesn't look like that's the name. But I love that that's name. That's a good name. A name. So that is. Thank yeah. you, Patchy Cahooters. Thank you, Patchy. Um, and if that is your name, then I still love the name. That's awesome. So that's a great name. big thanks to everybody that helps us out at patreon.com slash making it. We are really grateful for the support. And um, everybody over there at every level gets the after show. And so we're going to record that right after this. But first, what do you have to suggest? Oh, I was going to shout out Drew again because he does a really uh, in depth tool educational video on the domino the fest tool domino which is becoming more and more of a popular tool that people see more often it's obviously a big investment in in money but if you're a cabinet maker and you're thinking about it go watch drew's video about it it just so happens to be drew the same one who is the thumbnail guru Hmm. i thought that was overpriced crap (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> that's what I've been told. That's what I've been told many times. That's <laughs> what everybody might... says to me every time. You guys both have one, yeah, right? I have, I have one. one. I don't. No. Yeah, it's great, Bob. You should get one. You really, it's a really great tool to have in your arsenal. Yeah, I've I've heard that it is. I, ta- Taylor yeah. bought it, bought it for me for Christmas like nine years ago, so it's I've had it all this time. The, it's it's like buying property. The value of it goes up over time. Mm-hmm. It's mm. it's an it's basically an that's investment weird. in your future. Interesting. It, it is. It really is. All right, David, what you got? Uh, have you guys uh, ever recommended Tyler Bell? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tyler's great. He's he's yeah. he's going to be huge if he isn't already He's my huge. cousin. Remember we were talking about okay. that? Okay. Oh, That's yeah. why it's uh, it's it's familiar. All right. So the the good old YouTube algorithm, rec- apparently I didn't follow up on your recommendation, Bob, and I didn't watch his videos. <laughs> uh, and then YouTube recommended the uh, stop here launch 20 feet where he the steps on like this actuator that throws you up into the air and do the hollywood stuff and i watched the video and the whole time i'm like talking to my computer screen i'm like no you don't want to just like and uh, and i and then i was laughing at certain times and um i'm late to the party because the the video has like two million views but it's so freaking good like it is a really really good video and he only puts out videos like every so often then they all get like millions of views he's going to be huge because they're so freaking good yeah yeah he does good stuff for sure nice guy too and my cousin that's that's crazy i should listen to you guys more it's okay. You know how many times you've right. recommended something and then I come back in like three weeks later and I'm like, hey, have you guys ever heard of Casey Neistat? He's really good. <clears throat> um, speaking of Casey Neistat, mine is a video uh, from Jack Conte. That was my... Where he interviews... That's my second. That's my second one. <laughs> <laughs> he interviews Casey. He like goes through one of his videos with him and just stops and asks questions about like, why did you make this choice? And why did you make this choice? And I actually, it's very long. It's like 48 minutes. I didn't watch the whole thing. I got maybe halfway Uh-oh. through it. I lost them. Um, but it is really interesting oh, to to uh, just hear how he thinks about editing and how he thinks about it differently than I yeah. do, yeah. you know? Um, and I think he has a different approach than a lot of people, than it would make sense for a lot of other people, you know? So it's definitely not like a, you should edit like this. But it is kind of an interesting uh don't watch it with the kids purely for language but uh it's a really interesting watch can i I hijack your recommendation for a second please do so that's the first video that i watched um the channel's called digital spaghetti right is that what it is um Mm -hmm. and then i started watching the other interviews they're all 
freaking amazing i don't something about and they don't have many views like this they're really really good interviews there's something about the way people open up to jack about creativity and watch all the interviews like so i have the um the answer in progress video i'm like three quarters of the way through it i'll watch like 10 minutes here 10 minutes there and they're fantastic he's he's a really good interviewer yeah i think it's because he's so excited he he's so like you can tell when he's talking to casey that he cares way more about how casey does things than casey cares about him <laughs> like he's just so curious mm -hmm. you know and he's so excited which draws stuff out of people uh, how they talk about themselves and what they do you know yeah he's and the really great thing about that. casey is like so uh jack will jack will say something like oh so you were probably thinking this when you did this and then casey would be like no that's not what i was thinking at all like he will instead yeah. of just saying like yeah he like totally corrects him like no that that's not it i this is what i was thinking um and yeah. as a video maker the casey interview is fantastic yeah, it's definitely a good one. Let's check it out. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's it then. I'm trying to remember if we do anything else at the end of these shows. It's been so long. Yeah, just two weeks. <laughs> <clears throat> cool. I, I guess that's it. Uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks. That's one week from today rather yep. than eight weeks from today. We will be back. So thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out. And we'll uh, catch you next Thank time. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Love you.